0: Welcome to Vitalnomics, the Church Vitality Podcast, a digital arm of the Church Vitality Network. I'm your host, Gary Moritz, and joining me will be today's voices in church revitalization and renewal. This is a place to find spiritual health, active leadership, and finding legacy over longevity. No matter where you are on the revitalization journey, God is writing your story through His church. He's called you to do it. So whatever you do, don't quit. Reach out and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. If you find this episode helpful, share it. If you have some helpful insights on revitalization, let's share them on the show. Now, let's get into today's topic. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Vitalnomics. We're so glad that you've joined us for yet another great podcast. Today, I have a great, great friend, Michael Sharp. Michael, how are you doing?
1: Doing great. Good to be here, Mr. Gary. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you. And and so those of you who might not know Michael, Michael is the strategic partners director for an incredible organization called Exos. And, And so it's really cool because... They're, they come alongside of clients and trainers and associations and really help them understand really individuals, leaders, sales teams. They bring in expertise of just from the different market sectors. It's really, really cool. In this episode, you're going to really enjoy it because you're going to find out like, hey, maybe I need to really discover who I am. Like, how has God shaped me? How has God wired me? How has he wired our staff? I mean, this is just going to be a great resource for you. And at the end, if you hang on, we're going to give you just a, a free resource and a link to be able to connect with Michael after this. And so, Michael, I'm just so thankful. And this is kind of us just sitting down, chatting and just having yeah. a conversation. And you've helped so many church you know, church leaders, business people, you know, I hear it all the time as a pastor, people tell me, you know, the church isn't isn't a business, you know, it's not a business, it's a church. And and so I'm like, well, the IRS thinks we're a business. And so, (laughs) uh, and it's God's business. So we better have our act together. Talk about like your role and just, you know, you you work with churches, mo- you know mostly businesses, but but how nice. are those different arenas like? How, how are they different? How are they similar? Just kind of talk into that a little bit. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a great question, and uh, it it's an opportunity really for a lot of fun. Uh, I, the way I would uh, answer it is to ask another question, which is what does a business and a church have in common? What do you think? You go ahead and answer. It.
0: Oh, you put me on the spot. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. What, what do they have in common? Uh, leadership is what they have in common. Mm-hmm. What else do they have in common?
1: Staff. And what's the commonality between leadership, staff, or lay people or persons in the seat? They're all people.
0: That's right. They're all people.
1: So what does a business and a church have in common? The stewardship of people. And that's how I like to say it. We, we help facilitate and cause the greater stewardship of people. By the way, that's what we're doing in our marriages. We're trying to figure each out each other. I was just on a Zoom meeting with a guy in Germany. We met through a marriage coaching group and he's still trying to figure it out every time I meet with him. He's got a different book. He's desperately trying to read to get more oneness and connection with his wife. Yeah. And I finally, for the first time, cause I didn't want to proselytize or push this through anything. I told him, you know what? You need to know how you're hardwired and your spouse. So when we talk about our children, our marriages, yeah. certainly business, operations, leadership, associations, organizations, unions, churches, here's a question and, and it relates to stewardship of people. Those of you that are pastors, 100% of the time I ask this question, they always crack up and we can see each other. So I'm going to be looking for the reaction. This is the question that I ask a pastor and I always get a, a smile. Hey, Pastor Gary, have you ever wanted to fire a volunteer? No. <laughs> that's not fair because i set you up right no well he's laughing now for sure he wasn't laughing at first but why he's laughing now is because he knows that he lied (laughs) no no
0: (laughs) we we tell people hey we're not we're not firing you we're de-hiring you there's a difference right there's a different vernacular right
1: so why that's humorous is because pastors can always think about how they thought the best intentions and so does the person that's volunteering but once they're in the seat they're like Oops, now I have an awkward question. How do I fire a volunteer? You know? Yeah. I mean, they're volunteering their time. But the point is is that we all see the misstewardship of people, regardless of what brings us into the door into the organization. There's a great opportunity. And we just provide clarity to that, whether it's any kind of a profit or nonprofit business. And we enjoy what we get to do to help people out.
0: No, that's, that's good. That's good. It's really, really cool. So you, you obviously do assessments and you kind of let into that and there's so many assessment tools out there. I mean, right. every time I turn around, there's another tool to help you figure who you are and your yourself right. out, but, but you specifically deal with a really, I, I think it's a a really cool and effective tool called the Core Value Index. And so why right. talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, and that's that's what we're kind of pointing toward is that, you know, there's so much out there, but this is so much fun. It's a great advancement. So the Core Values Index was created about 30 years ago by a guy by the name of Lynn Taylor at Taylor Protocols. So that's the, the history of the organization, but he put it to work in struggling businesses. So he didn't have time to research. He, he put it right to work. And so the beauty is, is that we, we've all been trained on it and used it in my heart is to even help bring it to churches to get new uh, life to help understand people. So this gentleman that I was just speaking with across the pond in Germany He's been married for 42 years Wow! and he's hungry and searching for something that he knows is missing. And in rare moments, he has it. And as we walk through this, he's he's medically trained. He knows all this stuff, but there's one piece that he's missing. It's the kind of judgments that we all make when we don't know how someone is hardwired. So the difference in this assessment is that it advances where all the other good tools started, but they still are going through behavior and personality. They ask context based questions like my co workers would say, I'm highly motivated to complete tasks, right? <laughs> okay, guess what? I gave this to my uh seventh grade and, and uh, eighth grade daughters. There are no work connotations in the assessment for those girls, so it's not going to help. So it removes all behavioral, personality, social context, it's just words, right? But the words are undeniable motivators that are very accurate to describe what kind of human being, along the lines of Psalm 139. Yeah, it's not just the intimacy. It is God created before family of origin, uh, skills, experience, and ethnic, cultural background. There is a wired makeup to a person that God created. This picture is what that is, and it has the highest consistency and repeatability by far. 20 to 40 percentage points, better than all the other tools. So it's quick, accurate, simple, and my kids can take it. And my my 12-year-old daughter, my youngest, has never taken the CVI yet, yeah. but she talks about the precious wired nature of her classmates. Why? Because it's accurate and everybody wants to know how people
0: tick. Yeah, uh, that's good, man. I I love that. Like what makes people tick. And I also like the other side, what ticks people off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Because when you think about it, even faith-based or not faith-based, we're all from our youth trying to figure out our sense of purpose and who we are. Right. And then we get all these judgments. And then, so this is an anti-Christian assessment. It's not necessarily pro-Christian. So the way I look at it, it's a better advancement, just like all the tools that we use today. We're not doing church the same way as we're at year 62. right? And so this is an advancement, but it's the end zone. It's now that we know what kind of person that we're hardwired or created, what's the end zone? For the sake of the cross and, and submit that to the Lord, or are we going to try to go second humanism, God itself? So the key piece is when we feel threatened about who we are, we're naturally trying to be our natural wiring that can be frustrating when someone doesn't get us. Yeah. And so that can tick us off. Or they're trying, like this guy, he's ultimately still trying to go through behavior modification. And he can slip book after book under his wife's pillow, hoping that he'll get more intimacy. And if she's not open minded to it, she's going to see it as a threat. So he's yeah. got to know how he's wired. And how she's wired, which is what I invite. That's just today's story.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. That's really good. So I, I know for me, you know, and, and maybe I'm talking on behalf of many other pastors, but I'll just talk on my behalf. You know, one of the most painful points in leading a church is staffing, Right. you know, and, and sometimes you think you're hiring the right person and you go through, you know, a year process of hiring somebody and then they get there and then 90 days in yep. for the pastor go, oh, no. You know, I <laughs> totally. uh, hired the wrong person. So, you know, you've worked with churches and, and so it takes a long time for churches, especially now, uh, since the average church size now is 65 people, you know, to hire leaders. And so any insight on that? Yeah.
1: I mean, it, it's a similar thing that like when you hire somebody, what do you get? Try to hire by some skills, experience. And do I like you, yeah. you know, and it's, it's subjective. You cannot unhire un- someone's hardwiring. Yeah. It's their natural preference of what kind of human being it shows up every day, regardless of whether at home at work. So by measuring that, we get clarity on what you're not going to pick up very well in an interview, only if you're lucky. So we have the 80-20 rule, you know, A, B, C, D performers. We have in the pandemic, it was called the great attrition, the great resignation. Six months ago, I heard the term quiet quitting. Now the latest I heard about a week ago was loud resigning. What is it speaking about? The exact same thing, the missed stewardship of people, that people have their life and their possibilities, but they're not connected very well with where they're at. And it's frustrating. So guess what? I helped the church in Florida hire a worship pastor. Mm-hmm. First of all, there's not 15 people in the seat to measure. There's only one person in the role. And the pastor will tell you he would have hired or he would have interviewed maybe 15, 20 people over the phone, probably had six, seven, eight, nine people on campus, oftentimes paying for a hotel or plane ticket. And it takes months in a church for us to figure out by committee who we all agree on. And then we clench our teeth and hope that it works out. It's a super inefficient process. That process we did in about three hours. We helped him get a brand new clarity on what the type of person, because the worship pastor varies amongst churches and organizations, just like a pastor. It's a wide. So we clarify that. And he had about six phone interviews. Two final interviews, and it blew my mind. Uh, they hired the second gal. They're the first guy I didn't want to move out of state. And I was just, just speaking with him, I think, in January, and it blew my mind. I thought, I knew she'd been there three years. It's gone on five years wow. that that worship pastor is there. Yeah, Imagine the clarity that you can have if you can know what you're not going to figure out until six months later very yeah. well. Well, that's, that's what we do. We help all kinds of organizations hire from the front
0: end. Yeah, that's good. What Would you mind walking through some of that, like what that looks like? Sure.
1: So what we're looking at is uh, all these tools kind of tell us something about who we are. And the accuracy is called repeat score reliability of, of those score values to 94 to 97%. Uh, the next closest is the diff back at 77%. And the Myers-Briggs is 60%. So what does that mean? That means with the CDI, we get an almost unchanging readout that never changes. With the diff, pretty good, but one out of three or four people change in all the other assessments. So you start to be dealing with a moving target or people start debating their results. We don't get that with the CDI. That's the fun. So with my friend today in Germany, the first thing is, I'm not going to push it on your wife or anything. I'm not talking about marriage counseling. You take this tool and let's get on and let me see if I can speak to your deep inclinations of what kind of human being God uh created when he when He hardwired you. Let's go from there. So it ends up falling into a pattern of four quadrants, like many of these tools do. But it has the more cleaner, uh, highest repeatability. Like I say, no business language or personality context. It only takes about 10 minutes to complete. And wherever your notes are, Sir you know, Gary will offer for anybody to take it for free. And then you can get back with me and you can get your own insight for it. And I'd love to pour into any leader. But there's basically four types. I'm just going to go through them briefly and do you have a question or have a thought or observation? Feel free to jump in here. Yeah, sure, the most fun sure. thing is application, not yeah. me droning on. <laughs> but <laughs> there's one type; it's called the builder. We just call that it's a it's a it's a friendly word. The actual core value is power. So we we call them builders because sometimes if you start running out and talking about people's power energy 20 years ago, it can be threatening in the workplace. All it is is it's practical people that work on their guts to decide and do and figure out and know what to do now and know what to do next. They just intrinsically take an action throw their effort at something, and then they celebrate the results. And they navigate by the actual catalyst for a power is faith. Now, I'm not talking about religion or theology. What we mean by faith is practical gut confidence. I have an internal intrinsic confidence as a power person to take an action, get a result. I know what to do now, know what to do next. I'll do it, and I celebrate the result. Mm-hmm. These are ready- fire, aim people. And they have a sense of urgency to build the plane while it's flying. That's what's unique to them. They do not require systems in detail and a manual. They just get in, mix it up and start working while everybody else is still trying to figure out or confused or asking questions. That's what they celebrate. Take an action, get a result. Any thoughts or questions as I describe that?
0: No. Uh, Gary, it comes I, up I, in mind. I love those people. I, I don't know. Why yeah, I, I do. <laughs> But are you one of those people? I don't know. I I have a feeling I might have a little bit of builder in me. I don't know. Maybe not as much, right? Not as much. Um, But you can see them. They throw their effort at
1: something. And the positive side is they get stuff in motion. The negative side is they find out where the landmines are by driving over them. That's right. But the beauty is, is that they have that urgency to advance things forward. And in the faith-based and many industries of hospitality, where we want to be careful, we don't want to hurt people's feelings, we are shackled by inaction because we're trying to get everybody forth to build consensus. And that's one of the things I want to speak to about churches and their hiring process. Hiring by committee, in my opinion, is a very inefficient process and ends up being exhausting. Not good for, the, for stewarding resources.
0: No, it's good. What, what about the next one?
1: So well, the next one, uh, you'll appreciate this because is, is you've taken this. I think this is what you show up as very strong. It's We call it the merchant, but the core value is love. So when you say merchant, sometimes people think salespeople or something, but no, it's more like Marco Polo. It's an adventurous person through storytelling, uh, forging alliances and relationships, an opportunity bent toward the future. So merchants, uh, the core value is love, is uh, working toward an inspired vision of what can be in the future. I know we're going to get there, guys. Let's get in the boat. I'm going to enrich and nurture our relationships. And they're catalyzed by truth. Where builders work by practical gut, merchants work by their relational gut, their sense of authenticity. Not facts and measuring stick, but truth is, are you for real? It's authenticity. Mm. Merchants love people, have a keen sense to want to nurture people around authenticity, and they can tell when people are fake. And they also know and see the possibility of the future on an open-ended inspirational journey that let's go forth together. That can be with people. It can also be in leadership and organizations or interior design. The Merchant Love people have a sense to know how to connect, love connecting. They love depth around authenticity of relationship and a creative gut intuition of what can be in the future.
0: Now, you probably hear yourself
1: a lot in that, right?
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's me. I, I could see a little tiny little bit of builder, but not as much. Right. This this is definitely me, futuristic.
1: Now, in leadership, if we look back many years, maybe in your, in your ministry, you've got you know, some, some experience and maybe other tools that have helped shape you. Oftentimes, we get to a point where we start to become pretty self aware if we're poured into, but you can look back in your ministry where you're probably too much relying on that love.
0: Right. Sure.
1: Yeah. That sure. relational connection. And then when you say, I like those guys, you're not necessarily saying that's my identity. I am much stronger in love, but I see some power, but I really like the people that stop my creative, open ended process and get us moving forward. Because sometimes those guys remind me and they help me to actually drive things to the bottom line and finish. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Yep, hundred percent. That's good. Well,
1: that's the second one. On the third one, those these we call the innovators. We can all grasp what that means. That's wisdom. The core value of wisdom is to understand how things fit. These people are curious. They're always asking questions. And if you don't have a core value, you may disenfranchise these people without realizing it. Wisdom people get other people get frustrated by them. Because they're always tinkering with things. They they love to go to complexity and depth. But the beauty is, like in the pandemic, these wisdom people were needed the most because you need someone that can analyze and figure stuff out. Wisdom people are about asking questions to figure out how things work and to solve problems. Assess and solve is their beauty. They're catalyzed by compassion. I'm not talking about feel it stuff. That's more love, the merchant. But innovator people, it's more like, I'm going to keep working with it. I'm not going to give up. If everybody taps out, I'm going to be the one to figure out the problem and fix it. They are insatiable to work toward depth and curiosity to understand things like systems, move the pieces of the puzzle, and then come out with a wise idea, strategy, or solution. They are beautiful at innovation and dealing with complexity when people give up. But they also have an Achilles heel of making things overly complicated and solving problems when there's no more problems to solve. <laughs> so sometimes you see that everywhere in organizations where people think, and certainly software... Where people think that make things more complicated than they need to be, it's overwhelming because not everybody else on the planet is a strong innovator wisdom person, like the person's creating system. But that's the wisdom core value.
0: No, that's good. That's good. I, I could see a little bit of myself, not too much, but I could see a little bit of myself there.
1: These are the people that they're almost never ready until it's perfected and they go to layers of intricacy. It's like they're drawn to complexity. So if it's not super complex, you don't need 15 ways to figure out how to do things in the parking lot and church ministry. Oh, right. You just need people to weigh people, not re-engineer it. <laughs> but if you get a high creative, uh, like a wisdom person there, they're trying to solve problems where it's not needed. But they're needed in things like craftsmanship, strategy, yeah. um, maybe PowerPoint presentations or a different subject matter for, for presenting content in churches.
0: And that's their skill set. No, that's good. That's good. What about the last one?
1: So the final one, uh, I, I this is we call them bankers, and the core value is knowledge. Just to make it accessible, I say, hey guys, this is the most like Spock of all core values. So Spock was a good guy, he was a good character, but this is about people that are the most in the box of all four core values. I want to know everything concretely to know the facts through measurement, proof, and records. These are the actual people that need to have it quantified by a standard that we all agree on or it's threatening, it's stressful. Knowledge people are catalyzed by justice. We're not talking social justice. The driver for knowledge people is justice is a referee or an umpire. These people definitely want to count and compare. And the positive side is that they tolerate zero wasted motion or risk or wasted effort. So they're great at standardization, quality control, repeated processes to conserve information and yield results. But they're often mis stewarded because they're so practical and logical. They are the most in the box. They are steady and kind of hard to get out of the weeds. So they're safe, but they're not creative. Too much open-endedness stresses them out. Right. And the easiest thing for them to do is nothing until all the ducks are roll is in a box. And I've got extra just in case there's risk that comes that we don't see. Now, this is the kryptonite to many of our church leaders that are high-flying relational people with big vision and opportunity and creativity. They are like uh, attaching a piano to your waist. So it's kind of heavy, but by the same token, they will never run over a landmine because they don't take one step until they analyze everything. Proverbs says, what general doesn't evaluate everything before they go into battle? Those are your bankers. They absolutely love that. And they like practical repetition tasks. They make them good at office administration, spiritual gift of health, and so on and so forth.
0: That's good. So that's my wife, man.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) Very strong in that. Yep. And so if you, if you're not careful, you try to change her behavior and make her be something different over years of your marriage. But then you said, I think you mentioned another uh, top book about what your your rocket fuel. If you just go with what's there, what kind of human being they created. Yeah. Not only are you going to avoid the waste of trying to change who someone be, but there's actually going to be wonderful, benevolent gifts that God and his, his design has put in your life for a reason as a mastermind.
0: Yeah. And that's, I think that's what makes us just like an incredible team. It's like, I, I understand yeah. her strengths and I honor those strengths and I listen to those strengths and, but it's good. It's good, man. This is such a, such a great tool. Like t- talk about some of the unique impacts that you've seen from this just in general. I mean, you've been around different people and obviously coached all different people. Like what, what are some of the impacts that you've seen that have come from this?
1: So you're talking about a guy that was born and raised in the assembly of God. And in the sixth grade, I spoke in tongues. So I'm all on that experience of the... Armenian spiritual jump up and down and, and have a Holy Spirit experience. And it's wonderful. It's super indelible. Then in my college years, I went to a certain church that uh, uh, was very strong on the Calvinist reformed perspective. Right. And so I basically jokingly say, I've got both two great tastes that should taste great together, right? But they're different camps. So I'm very well shaped. But 12 years into our marriage, I was mad at my wife and on a drive one time, just angry. I was doing everything right in my own mind. I'm working so hard, trying to do everything, check, check, check. Why, Lord, are we not getting connection? And God spoke to me and he said, honor. Yeah. And it was a very strong impression on my mind. Like, well, what does that mean? Well, then I came across this tool and I realized out of decades of good teaching and both spiritual perspectives, Calvinist, Armenian, Bible-based, whatever, charismatic, I was missing something. Yeah. I didn't know the human being that God had hardwired. I was making conscious and subconscious judgments all the time without knowing who she really was, what kind of human being God created. And this changed my life. And I've given it to people. I gave it to a wonderful guy in Florida. John Maxwell trained, dis-trained uh, for years and decades. And then he came across this tool in his late 60s or 60s. And he learned things about his wife he never knew. Mm. So it's revealing the makeup that we make judgments on all the time. That's what we bring clarity to organizations and churches and businesses, strategic planning or hiring. And the impact is causing an awareness that brings clarity, that is super quick. It starts from the first moment. You don't have to be a PhD to grasp this. My, my 12-year-old, talks about the wired nature of her classmates because the signature's there. You just need to give somebody a framework to understand it and stop working again. So this gentleman that's in Florida, while it changed his marriage, he trains chaplains. Turns out he's applying this because it actually affects trauma on first responders and how you can de-escalate trauma. So you can contribute better stewardship. You can hire a worship pastor and way less frustration. You can help honor your marriage or your children If you keep trying to do behavior modification too much for your children, that that scripture in Proverbs uh, talks about raise a child up in the way he he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. Mm. A Hebrew scholar informed me the actual Hebrew for that is raise up a child according to his bent. Right. God creates a human being, cultivate what God created, and then make many things out of the talents rather than trying to conform and change it. Yeah. It won't work very well. So this those are just various impacts that I just rattle off in my head.
0: No, this is really good and I can even see this obviously operating in the church planting world and the church revitalization world, because at least what I see is many guys that go into church planting after they go through assessment, they, they might not make it through assessment. And it's not because they're not a great church planter. They're just not wired to plant a church. They're more wired to be a church revitalizer, which is right. different. And so I've seen a lot of guys just kind of get shut down because maybe the assessment wasn't um, as clear as it should have been, where maybe if they would have taken the CVI they would have said hey that we got we got a revitalizer in front of us not a church planter and then redirect that person towards revitalization So that's just like I think one way that you know even in the church world you can use CVI which would be very
1: we've done that fun research actually to purely quantify how a revitalizer is different from a planter yeah and so the, the tool is there to use why not use it Why not help your marriage or operations or revitalizer versus planter and the thing is, no way am I going to say that I'm going to interstep a step into what the Holy Spirit says. Yeah. The Holy Spirit's calling trumps everything yeah. on someone's life. But when you go and you honestly admit for church planters and revitalizers, they still run into struggle. There's an opportunity for them to know themselves. And it's not that you're not called for a church planter. But if the Holy Spirit's saying that, you go do it. But we can help equip you with what you might need that you don't have. And we'll reveal that for you. Before you run into the moat and realize that you're sinking, we can save you from that. Why not help
0: people out? No, this has been, this has been good. This is rich. And um, so what free tool I would say, what, what could you do for our listeners? How can they connect with you? All of that stuff.
1: And the thing is, especially with nonprofits, you know, you want to give value and just help encourage people. So I would just say, consider. That there is a wired framework. And are you frustrated because you keep trying to get people to do stuff differently without knowing who they are? Mm. I call it core values bias. We all make this judgment. This comes easy to me, Gary. I don't understand why this doesn't come easy to you. Right. And I have to resist the temptation. There's something wrong with Gary. Meanwhile, Gary's doing the same thing to me right. about different things. And so it's inefficient. So uh, there's a link that, you know, I'm sure Gary will share that you can try this CVI for free. And as a church leader, you can uh, just get their very limited value for free, but it will give you something. And then you can reach out to me if you want to have a, uh, another, again, another free conversation. I want to encourage pastors because pastors are often strong love relationship people. Mm-hmm. They pour into people sacrificially, it's the most sacrificial of all four core values uh, in terms of pouring into. And they feel guilty if they ask for help. And that becomes a real entry door for being messed with. And I saw this in the pandemic. Everybody loves receiving Pastor Gary's love, but people can forget to pour into Pastor Gary. Pastor Gary's not going to ask because Satan tells him, well, okay, so what? You're selfish? You need more help? No, you got to help love everybody. And then you you feel torment and you don't ask for help. But people have to pour into people. That's what Jesus did. We all know that. You know, you've got to pour into people, not just take what they're giving until they burn out. And we want to help contribute to that. in anyway, I'll get on any conversation with a leader and
0: hopefully encourage that. No, thanks, Mike. That's that's going to be really important. And so listen, if you're listening and you're like, hey, I want to jump in, there's a link in the show notes. Download it, click on it, whatever you have to do, and connect with Mike with CVI. And it's definitely going to help you. And possibly if you want to bring it to your staff, there's definitely a, a pro in that. And and Mike's ready to to jump in. And so I just want to say as we close out, Mike, thanks so much for being a part of this podcast. And it's just a, an honor to have you on.
1: Thanks for your opportunity. Yeah, we're here to help. And thank you so much for your ministry to spread the word. There's things that I can, can never do. The folks like yourself are out there doing. So thank you for your work as well. All right.
0: Thank you so much. Well, thanks so much for listening to Vitalnomics. And we'll talk to you on the next show.